That's the exhibition of the youth. If you haven't been look at it, I'm going to be showing you at the end of the service again uh, some of the activities the youth have done the last uh, this past year. Uh, Hillary and Dylan, would y'all stand up real quick? That's who they are, Dylan. Hillary, our youth pastors. Also, we have the same train of thought. Our children's ministry, ministers are in here today. It's David and Ann Barnard. Y'all stand up real quick. Y'all know that they're going to be able to That's going to be leading worship today. Some of the uh, youth, some of the working with them. Let's, let's begin to worship together today, church. Amen. Let's give more praise. Amen. Thank you. 
so much for leading us in the presence of God today. Uh, I want to begin by thanking everybody for being here today, first off. I also thank everyone for making our fall festival a success. How many of you were able to be at the fall festival? All right, let me tell you something. We had a really, really good time there, and uh, our teams were kicking in, and they were helping with games, had a lot going on. Everybody just filled in with their part. And uh, man, we got a packed house today. I'm telling you, there's some. Today is Saturday. There's some front rows here that y'all could grab. But we know that the bank saved your money. Page two update, guys. We are going to have the plan November 13th. I know I keep changing, but it's just it's just the way it is. We're having to get everything finished, and uh, there's a lot going on. And not only they're going to be finished up, we hope this week once they finish up. It will be our goal to go in the next week and be able to tidy up and do all of the little punch lists and things that we have to do in order to be prepared to go in on the Sunday morning. But I promise you, we are getting closer and closer. We just want to make sure everything's right when we get in there. And quite frankly, I've enjoyed worshiping in here too. Haven't y'all? It's been good. So uh, it's been good to be here in this space and to have it for worship. I'll tell you a little icebreaker that a man joined a monastery. He took a vow of silence like they had to do. He was only allowed to speak two words every single year, and that is it. They would allow him to do this at the end of each year. After the first year, he went in and he talked to the head of the monastery, and he said his two words, hard, bad. After the second year, he said, cold, food. After the third year, he said, I quit. To which the head of the monastery looked at him and said, I'm glad you haven't done nothing but complain since you've been here. Today I want to speak on a sermon entitled, Deliverance in the Lion's Den. I want you to notice the key word here is the word in. I didn't say deliverance from the lion's den. I said deliverance in the lion's den. Now, if I'm going to be honest with you guys today, I like when God delivers me from things. Somebody else, try that name, right? I like it when God, I would rather not have to get sick, right? I would rather be spared from that. But sometimes we're, we have to go through that and we're in that. Before deliverance comes. I would rather not have family issues. I would rather not have nervous issues. I would rather everything always be smooth and hunky dory. That's what I prefer. And that's what I want. But at the end of the day, I'm learning that sometimes you can't get out of it. You're going to have to go into the middle of it. You're going to have confrontation. You're going to have school issues. You're going to have a time that you go through and grades aren't as good as you'd like to see the grades, you're going to see that. It's going to happen somewhere down the line. God does not deliver us from everything. Some things He wants us to be in the middle of and go through to show us that He's faithful. And Daniel is a story that you have heard it ever since you were a baby, and I want you to know today that God did not deliver Daniel from the lion's den. He delivered Daniel in the middle of the lion's den. He did not deliver the 300 children from the fire. He delivered them in the fire. He did not deliver Joseph from going to prison. What 
just preach right here and forget about the rest of the notes, because that's good stuff. Sometimes God is going to put you through the middle of a situation. We have a story today that he does that with Daniel. Let's go to Daniel chapter 6. Start at verse 19 with me. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came here to the den, he called to Daniel in an angry voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Verse 21. Daniel answered, may the king live forever, exclamation point, for my God sent his angel. I love this verse. And he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have they done any wrong before, or have I done any wrong before you, O king, your majesty. Verse 23, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was even found on him. Why? Because he had trusted in his God. Today I need to ask you a question. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice today that you find yourself in need for deliverance from God? Is there anybody today, because I feel like the Lord was speaking to me just yesterday morning and saying that there's people that are in situations and they need God to show up in the middle of their situation. God didn't keep you from it. There's some of you in this house that you're in it right now. You are facing an attack from the enemy. He is coming from every corner. You are wondering what in the world am I going to do? Do you feel today that you are under that spiritual attack from the enemy? And you need God to show up. And you need God to show out. And you need God to deliver you in the middle of this thing. Have you found yourself, you're trapped in the middle of a predicament. You just can't seem to find your way out. Every door that you think would open is shut in your face. Then I need you to stay tuned for just a few minutes today and help this preacher out. As I take you through an old story by a man by the name of Daniel. That he finds himself in a similar situation in the middle of a lion's den. Now to give you a quick history before I preach, Daniel is an exile. That means that he has been forced to leave his country, Jerusalem, to go to Babylon. He is going to serve under two different political figures in Babylon, and then he's going to go to Persia. He distinguished himself in his work, and he distinguished himself or stood out in his worship. But regardless how good of a man he was, he found himself to be the object of persecution, the object of the jealousy of other people. He found himself to be the person that was under personal attack and persecution. His attackers could absolutely, you may know the story, they found no basis for accusing him of his work. So since they couldn't find anything wrong with his work, uh, and they, they turned towards his worship. King Darius favors David. We can read early in the story. He finds favor with the king. As a matter of fact, he is one of the counselors to the king early on. He trusts Daniel's counsel. When he needs counsel, he calls him to his side. However, on this day, he didn't ask Daniel before he made a really dumb decision. So just like today, some of the lobbyists and the politicians got together. And they made this plan behind the scenes. 
law that said nobody can pray to any god except for King Darius for 30 days. Now, I don't know if it was pride that got up in his heart or what happened at that moment. But something rose up in Darius' heart and said, you know, I have been doing a good job around here. It is time for me to get a little glory. I've been working my fingers to the bone. You know what? Let's go ahead. Let's have 30 days that you worship me. God help us. I'm not saying that for me either. I'm just, I'm just you know, I'm just, Can you imagine 30 days for you? 30 days that we just worship you. How arrogant. If you're going to worship somebody, worship Jesus. That's why Paul told him. He said, let me tell you something. Everything that I boast of, I'm not boasting of myself. I'm boasting so that Jesus may be glorified through the work he's doing in my life. Darius in pride says, just let, let's just do this. It sounds good. I have often asked the question, what would happen today to you in this house if, if your personal freedom was taken away right here today, done away with, if, 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 if politicians and lobbyists got together and they decided we can't do what we're doing today, what are you going to do? Right? What am I going to do? What, what am I going to do if some crazy law gets passed that says, all right, if you get in the pulpit and you preach anything that we consider hate speech, we are monitoring you now, we're going to censor you. I mean, what's going to happen? What are you going to do in that instant? I know that we're all jumpy and we're in church today and we got our nice clothes off and we're feeling spiritual because it's Sunday and the kids just did a good job seeing And we're thinking today, oh man, you bring hell and high water out of fire and stand on And then they say, I know you're the first person running out the door. Like, Are you going to try to protect me at least? See you later. And you're gone. We talk big and we talk bad. But when we find ourselves at the foot of the line, sin, and a threat that says, if you pray to God, we're going to throw you in this pit. We are literally going to feed your carcass to these lions. What are you going to do? Listen, folks, there are good laws, there are bad laws, right? How many of you agree that the speed limit was the worst law they ever came out with? Don't raise your hand right now. You're a dangerous person. I don't know who you are. There's good laws. There's bad laws. This law was a bad law. But the Medes and the Persians, and this is, this is where it gets good. The law of the Medes and the Persians simply stated that if you pass one law, then guess what? Even if you pass it, this one was worse than the other. That once you pass it, you cannot reverse it. Now, in Washington, D.C., let me tell you something. It's good to know we live in a free country still. There are some bad policies. There's bad laws. The good news is, guess what? They can be reversed. That's why I know them. I'm going to tell you right now. If you want freedoms, you better go and you better vote for people that stand for God. I'm telling you, you better do it. You better do it. Because if they don't stand for God, don't stand for religious freedom. I don't want them in the White House. I don't want anywhere near the White House or Washington, D.C. Because at that point, it starts affecting us. But here we are. We can vote. We can reverse laws. They couldn't. So when Darius signed it, it is the law for 30 days. He realizes 
to be a lawyer. He tries to get Daniel out of the legal jam. He figures out he don't live his own law and he's got the powers of king. There's no way he can reverse what he has done. So he goes to Daniel, the knight to the lion's den and watches him enter. And he says to him in verse 16, he says, may your God who you serve continually rescue you. Now there's a key word I want you to grab here. It's the word continually. There is something to be said for a person that is consistent. There is something to be said. Daniel was not wishy-washy. He was not in this week. He's an old man on fire for God. The next week, he's cold and indifferent. This is a guy that was just steady friend. I like good people that I can trust that they're going to be committed to me. How many of you like friends like that? I don't want a friend that when I'm in trouble and I call them, they say, man, this is too, this is too thick for me. I'm not getting involved in that. I need a friend that's going to say, buddy, I am going to go with you all the way to the lines. Then I mean, I'm going to watch all the way. I'm going to pray. This king walked with him to the thing and said, may your God who you continually serve rescue you from this lines then. So guess what the king did? All night long, he's pacing back and forth. All night long, he's pacing. He is sleeping. He doesn't Because he told me, he said, you can go. We're 
That's right. That little tattletale the job. The day of reckoning is coming. Because they can try their best to get at you, but they don't like you because you're a Christian. There, I'm telling you, my God, I feel it today. Eventually, they're going to be destroyed by their own personal attacks on other people. So the king is using the decree. I've got to hurry. That Daniel is, that the God of Daniel is the living God. He endures forever. The kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will be forever. He rescues and he saves. He, this is what the king said. He performs signs and wonders in heaven and earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. This is what God wants us to hear today. That he still rescues his people. He still saves his people. He still performs signs and wonders and miracles. He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody give God praise in the house. Praise the Lord. Number one, he distinguished himself in his work. A matter of fact, the Bible said that the king had planned to set Daniel over the entire kingdom. So in other words, Daniel was, can I say it this way, the man. And everybody knew it. He distinguished himself as a faithful worker. He was not lazy. He did not try to take advantage of Darius or whoever he was working for. He always seems to do the right thing. He serves in a foreign land under two different governments that were very different than that of Israel and Jerusalem he was used of, but yet he served faithfully without compromising his faith and his values. If you ever get a job that you have to compromise one of those two things, you need to leave it. Don't everybody shout at once you rule on a message. When you start doing things that compromise what you believe, and you've got to do things you don't believe in just to have a job. That's not God's will for your life. Get a better job. God will give you a better one. You don't compromise. He was just faithful. He wasn't perfect. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yet regarding his work, they could not criticize him one iota. They tried to find him sleeping on the job. Daniel was never sleeping on the job. He's always working. He makes a note in the books, and they say, let's go look at the note. Tell Daniel, you've got to talk to him in the courtyard. Look at see what he wrote. Everything's written down, just like he said. He's not trying to cut the corners. This guy has distinguished himself to be a faithful worker. Now, there was no place for criticism. I can say it this way. They still could criticize him, but there was no place for justified criticism. How do you do that? I'm going to tell you how. You work as unto the Lord. Ecclesiastes 9 said, whatever your hands find to do, you just do it with all your might. So in other words, when you get ready to do your work, you do it like God is watching you. That's what they do. Work is honorable. Daniel was a politician. And today politicians get a bad crap. Amen. Hallelujah. Am I the only person? I was trying to eat Mexican the other night. And I love Mexican. Until those crazy political politicians get on that TV and start running their ass. I hate this time of year. I mean, if YouTube would let me pay $5 more a month not to see it, I would like to pay it. 
politicians. They get a bad rap. But so do lawyers, right? Does it mean that all lawyers are bad? All politicians? Of course not. I'll take a step further and get into my own line of work. Tell them guns! I mean, they get a bad rap. I mean, they take it basically, you need to be you know, doing this, that, the other, and the next thing you know, they're lying and getting caught in lies. And where did you put that money? Blah, blah, blah. You know how it is. They get a bad rap too. But if you're honorable in your work, people can talk about other people, but they can't talk about your work. Because you're working as unto the Lord. Daniel didn't care what other politicians were doing. All he worried about was what? What's Daniel doing? I don't care what other preachers or pastors or televangelists or any of the other ones are doing. I'm just worried about Jimmy. Because Jimmy is enough to deal with without worrying about anybody else. And I recognize that. In other words, it is possible for you to sell cars. And do it heartily as unto the Lord. When I look as if God is watching me. If you are a politician, remember Jesus is a king. If you are a lawyer, Jesus is a defense attorney. If you're a manual labor, Jesus is a carpenter. If you're an educationer or education, Jesus is a teacher. If you're a minister of the gospel, Jesus is a preacher. If you're a therapist or a social worker, Jesus is a wonderful counselor. If you're a financial advisor, Jesus is a treasure of wisdom and knowledge. If you're a builder, guess what? He is the creator of the entire universe that you have been building on whatever you do. Secondly, he disciplined himself in his worship. Look at verse 10. I, I can't pass this. You have to see it. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home after he knew that the king had signed it and said, If you pray to God, you will be thrown into the lion's den. After he learned that information, everybody got that. He did not do this by accident, he did it with intentionality. He meant to do it. He was disciplined like that. He went home to his upstairs room. I love this guy. I'm going to tell you what I've done. I went to my downstairs room, my downstairs closet, and said, I'm going to shut the door behind me when I pray. Don't let my left hand, don't let my right hand's doing. That's me. Daniel goes to the highest peak of his house. And the Bible says he opens his windows toward Jerusalem. How many times a day? I mean, one time a day is pushing. Because people are watching him. He knows the enemy is trying to get him. Daniel's like, I'm going to give him a really good chance to catch him. I'm going to do this three times a day. It's because he was disciplined in his worship. He was disciplined in his prayer life. He was disciplined in his intimacy and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody was going to stop that. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God. This is my favorite part. Just as he had done before the decree was signed. Woo! That's faithfulness, ladies and gentlemen. That's a man with some backbone right there. 
probably has done it with him before. We're going up. And Isaac, we know he's done it before because Isaac even asked his father a question because he understands the ritual. He knows what's going on. Father, where is the sacrifice? We brought everything, but we don't have a sacrifice. Circumstances didn't change, but guess what? Abraham went to his place of worship in Knowing that his son was about to be on that altar. My God have mercy. But God was going to do something up there. In Job, you can read about it. Chapter 1. But the Bible says he's lost everything. Verse 20 and 21. What did he do? He did the same thing he had always done. He fell on his knees and he began to worship. In Habakkuk 3.18, the Bible said that worms are going to eat all of your fruits. Eat all of your crops. Well, never mind. That's why. He opened his way. 
study from Raymond Culpepper, who was our general overseer a couple times. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. We, we are doing what you call Search 66. We started in the book of Genesis. We are working our way all the way to Revelation. Last week, we were on our second part of Jeremiah. I have enjoyed Jeremiah better than any other book I've done so far. As far from the teaching aspect, I have enjoyed it more than It is amazing how powerful the man of God Jeremiah was. It's amazing. But did you know when Daniel left in his ministry, you were here today, you remember I told you that Jeremiah and Daniel and the three Hebrew boys were all around at the same time. Y'all remember that? Well, guess what? When Daniel opened up his windows, he was doing it as a sign of hope. Do you know what he was basing it off of? Jeremiah chapter 29, 10 through 14, where God said, My people are going to come back home. It happened, ladies and gentlemen. We too have promises from God. Look at 2 Corinthians 1. I need y'all to see this. I'll go to the third point. Give me 10 minutes and I'm out of here. For no matter how many promises, are y'all with me? No matter how many promises God has made, they are what? Yes! In Christ. And so through Him, the what? The Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, some of you, when you read the Bible, this is a few King James Version, but when you read it, you're like, oh, oh, what's that mean, Bible? Can I simplify this for y'all very, very simple? If God made a promise, and if God said yes, do you know what your job is? Your job is not to question it. Your job is not to say, no, 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 Hush! Your job when God says yes is to say, You're like, oh, goodness, is this what I have come to do today? 
after all of this preaching and running and hollering and speaking, and all he's got for me is wait on God, you got it, keep me. But sometimes that is the only answer that I can give you. Daniel waited on God. But God sent his angel where he was. See, what's it? The word angel means a messenger sent from God. There's 108 references in the Old Testament to angels. There's 165 in the New Testament. The, the writer of Hebrews, Paul, puts it into perspective. The ministry of angels, when he says it this way, are not all angels ministering spirits that are sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. That means they're here for us. Those that are saved, God sends them to minister to us. He sends them to deliver us. He sends them to protect us. He then closes his letter with a most when he says, do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some people have entertained angels not knowing or unaware. That person you thought you saw for the first time in your life in heaven's You may have never seen them before. You may have never seen them. Preachers lost it today. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Because he says sometimes when they walk into your house, when they walk into your room, it's not a person. I've sent an angel to come to you. Some of you are thinking, I've lost it. I'm fixing help right here. I'm going to show you. It was an angel. When Abraham went up on Mount Moriah, do you know who it was that spoke to him? He said, Abraham, Abraham, stop it. Don't lay a hand on the boy. It was an angel that came as a That is enough. God sees that you're faithful. It is in Matthew 4 11 when Jesus has been fasting and praying for 40 days. And all of a sudden the enemy comes to him and he begins to tempt him and try him in the wilderness and in the temptation. But in chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says that God sent an angel to Jesus. He began to strengthen him in his Luke 22 43. In the Garden of Gethsemane, maybe you missed this point, but the Bible says. Man, 
I'm close to saying, go ahead and make yourself a, a, a death penalty with it. It is angels. Look, look at Psalm 34. I can't believe that I've shown you this. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. That means that God and angels are surrounding you right now. Daniel said, angels showed up last night, and God, my God, has shut the mouth of the lion. First Peter 5, 8 says, you better be sober, be vigilant, because you're having serious. Because this little creature, it 
just shuffles around. It, it can't fly from that ground. It would make its way to this little stand. And once it gripped the bottom of that and got just a little elevation, it would swing itself off and the bat would fly. Other than that, guess what? On the floor, it remains a Christian for life and it dies there. The bubble bat. It dropped into an open tumbler. You see them. You may have even thought them for your house. Little wood things. It will be there until it dies unless someone takes it out. It never sees the means of escape is in the top. It persists to buzz around and drill a hole somehow through the bottom area. It will seek a way where no way exists until it completely destroys itself. In many ways, this is what the writer wrote. I wish I knew his name because it's such a powerful thing. He said, in many ways, we too are like that. For in many ways, we're like the buzzard. We're like the bat. We're like the bumblebee. He said, we struggle about with all our problems, all our frustrations. Never realizing that all we have to do is simply just look up. Up is the way out. I'm telling you, I will lift up my eyes, David said, unto the hills from which comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. He will not allow my foot to be moved. He who keeps me will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade in my right hand. The sun shall not destroy me by day. The moon by night. The Lord will preserve me from all evil. He shall preserve my going in and my coming out from this time forth and even forevermore. Today I want to tell you this and I'm closing. Don't look to me. I can't save you. Don't look to your neighbor. Your neighbor cannot save you. I am telling you to look up. Look up to a higher power. Your way of escape is up. When Daniel got thrown in the lines then, there's a hole in the top. Praise God. And at night, guess what he does? He's laying on the bed of light, looking up at the stars, saying, that's the way I came in, and bless God, that's the way I'm going to get out. And I'm telling somebody today, you're going to get out. You just got to look up and realize, you're not going to stay in this cage like a little preacher like this buzzard. You're not going to sit there and die. You're not going to just lay around and wallow in your misery. That is not who you are. There's a way of escape. You just lift up your eyes and say, God, here I am. I believe that you can deliver me
to not deliver you from whatever you're going through. But God told me to tell you that He's going to deliver you while you're in there. Say, 